Now, Lady Muleo on SAFM. It's five, oh, well, just a few seconds before five minutes uh, after seven. Now it's five minutes after seven. A good evening to you. Welcome to the talk shop on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm your host, Naledi Muleo, with you until nine o'clock, and that's when Nancy Richards will take over bringing you the Enviro show. I'll let you know what she's getting up to on the show. Um, loads to look forward to there. At five, well, at the beginning of our show, we'll start off with talking to our mover and shaker. He is Duncan Moseke, a young dietitian who's been a prime mover in dietary interventions that are also changing the lives of people in the desperately impoverished uh, region served by the Manguzi Hospital in northern KwaZulu-Natal. Um, call in with your questions or words of encouragement for him. The number is 0891-104-207. Again, that number is 0891-104-207. Send your SMSs to the number 34701. At 20 to 8, I'll speak to uh, Catherine Ellis, who's the Director for the Youth Division of the Commonwealth Secretariat, and Professor Reggie Nell of UNISA. This week, I've att- I- I'd spent a few days attending the second Commonwealth Conference on Youth Work um, that really has it's taken time to re-examine the role of youth work practitioners and academics. So just to give you a bit of background, in South Africa, um, people that work with young people and try to address youth challenges quite often are called youth activists. But there hasn't really been um, structured curriculum that also prepares them for that kind of work and uh, perhaps gives them the opportunity to say they are qualified youth workers. And so this Commonwealth Conference really aimed to introduce uh, some of those interventions in South Africa and, and does so across the world as well. So uh, that's great work that's being done, and I'll take your calls on that one as well. After eight in the relationship corner, we'll talk uh, about planning for a baby. We often talk about unplanned pregnancies and how they can have a detrimental effect on one's relationship. But today we focus on planning for a baby. Does it make the experience more pleasant? Um, Does it guarantee smooth sailing? What pressures does that put on a relationship? And how do you start planning for a baby? 0891-104-207 to call in. Jennifer Papers will chat to us. She's a counseling social worker based in the FAMSA Soweto office. All that and more coming up on the talk shop. I'm always on Twitter, so tweet me. At Naledi Moleo, Moleo is spelled M-O-L-E-O. The Facebook page, one word, SAFM Radio. Sick of always missing your favorite SAFM shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free podcast service that allows you to access them directly from your cell phone, PC, or tablet, whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. Go to safm.co.za and click on Podcast. This takes you to the SAFM page on iono.fm. Follow at iono.fm on Twitter or like it on Facebook for regular updates. You never have to miss your favorite shows. SAFM Podcasts, powered by iono.fm. When it comes to our human rights, a little respect can go a long way. Change will not come about without some far-reaching interventions. SAFM, appreciating the value of our human rights. 104.3, the home of SAFM in Rustenburg. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. 
about to meet our mover and shaker in just a moment. But at 9 o'clock, Nancy Richards will take over with the Enviro Show. And this evening, they ask, what is the impact that the drought has had on the fruit industry? Talking to Hort Grow. Um, and Nancy will also speak to the WWF on Earth Hour. And um, they'll also talk women in the energy sector. So that's what you can look forward to from 9 o'clock onwards right here on the talk shop. So our mover and shaker, Duncan Mosete, a young dietitian who's been a mover in dietary interventions in uh, uh, the northern KwaZulu-Natal. Duncan, good evening. Welcome to the talk shop. Good evening, Anna Lady. How are you? I'm well. And yourself? I'm fine, thank you. So good to have you with us. I always look uh, forward to, to speaking to, to young movers and shakers because, you know, obviously I think this this... This encourages our listeners. I, well, I, at least I hope it does. So, Duncan, who's Duncan? Before we get into your career now, where where are you from? Where were you raised? What was the plan growing up? Was it always to become a dietitian? Yes, um, I'm a 29-year-old and um, from a small suburban area, Lachtenberg in the northwest province. Mm-hmm. And I studied in uh, Revilomai High School and then I did my university in Medinza, from 2004 to 2007, mm. uh, studying BSc in Dietetics Human Nutrition. And wh- why did you choose to, to become a dietitian? What was it that said to you that this is the, the, the route you should go? Um, for me, nutrition has always been uh, the cornerstone of all health problems mm. that we have uh, in the country, in, globally as well. So I've, I've always had like a very uh, passion for nutrition, especially when you, you 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 look at the nutritional status of the children, because that will definitely be a sound uh, indicator of the general distribution of resources in all communities. Yeah. So uh, that has always uh, uh, motivated me. Uh, to be the best that I can be in giving uh, nutrition expertise hmm. to the community. Yeah, well, you, 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 you've seen um, and discovered really severe cases of malnutrition. I don't know if this is in the area that you're working in or where it was, but talk, talk to us about that. I mean, when we say severe malnutrition in South Africa, what are we, what are we saying? Yeah, when we talk about severe malnutrition in South Africa, there is actually... Um, a lot of contributing factors to severe acute malnutrition. It can either be caused by uh, generally a uh, shortage of food mm. or it can be caused as well by certain conditions that uh, suppress the immune system. Such as? And, and, um, such as HIV and AIDS, okay. such as TB, such as simple one, the diarrhea, gastroenteritis, mm. which uh, takes us back to hygiene and safety. So in people who are living in poverty uh, stricken areas where they are plagued by uh, a, 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 like a, a huge number of, of health issues, they also have poor sanitation mm. and access to resources. So the, we can expect that the children will fare the worst in, condition, in, in conditions or areas like that. Mm. So severe malnutrition, actually, we were, like, as part of our community nutrition block at university has always interested me. I went over to the Eastern Cape to actually work at there where I had the uh, privilege of working with the Department of uh, Nutrition, 
at the national level where we were actually treating uh, the severe acute cases mm. in, in the Eastern Cape. That's where my passion actually started in the uh, treatment and uh, prevention of malnutrition. But at the time, we were just uh, looking at the treatment, which is late because, you know, with dietitians, uh, our strategies are mostly nutrition-specific, mm. which is just disease-specific. So in terms of treatment, you're not really solving the problem at the community level. Right. You are actually just waiting in the hospital for another admission. Mm. But then to date, there are solutions to prevent and treat uh, the already existing cases. The World Health Organization has the 10-step approach that we use inside uh, uh, the hospital uh, facilities to treat the condition. What is that 10-step approach? The trend-step approach, you basically treat uh, hypothermia. Um, you treat um, uh, to, uh, children who are whose glycemic index tend to drop as well. So you 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 treat hypoglycemia as well. Mm. You treat infections. You replace uh, micronutrient deficiencies, which is a very important step for me because uh, in the past we used to call the severe acute malnutrition protein energy malnutrition, mm. and that's actually not the case. These children also suffer from micronutrient deficiencies. Okay, now you need to explain that to us because yes. you're getting quite technical. So the difference between, say, um, acute severe malnutrition and, micro, and, and micronutrient deficiency. Yes, so uh, acute severe malnutrition includes micronutrient uh, deficiencies. Mm. So micronutrient deficiencies, you talk like your vitamin A, because if the child has a vitamin A deficiency, then they are more susceptible to uh, infections. Mm. So your child that is affected by severe acute malnutrition as a result of food shortages at home, mm. irrespective of whether they have TB or HIV, even if it's a child that is just uh, not uh, HIV positive or has no TV, mm. but the fact that they don't have food at home makes them susceptible to infection because malnutrition on its own uh, suppresses the function of the immune system. Right. So these right. kids who then suffer from various micronutrient deficiencies because they are not getting it from the diet, that includes uh, not only uh, vitamin A, but zinc as well, mm. and also uh, iron deficiencies, which is a very important one for these kids that are uh, at uh, uh, less than five years, because that's the most important time of their lives where they need to be learning and stuff like that. Mm. So if you are iron deficient, for example, you cannot concentrate, you don't have energy, you have your, your blood is so small that you cannot uh, be able to even develop uh, cognitively like uh, compared to your peers mm. at that age. And that becomes a problem because if um, a child suffers that uh, deficiency at such an early age, it also disadvantages them at the, yeah, at at the later, later stage, stage yeah. which means they are become a bit slow at school. They become developmentally delayed, mm. which brings us to the next step where we actually, the initial phase of nutrition therapy, where you actually uh, stabilize the patient mm. 
and then you move up to catch up where you try and uh, replace all those nutrient losses. And then, most importantly, the next step, that's where you come for stimulation play, where you incorporate your physiotherapist, occupational therapist, so that the child can catch up back to the time that they lost, that they suffered, when they were suffering from severe acute malnutrition. Mm. And the last step, you don't just stop there. You need to have a plan for, for, for home. Uh, when you're going to discharge uh, So that child. those children don't come back Yes, mm. so that you don't have readmissions, so that they don't suffer uh, the same condition again. So that's where your social uh, uh, development comes in because your social workers uh, need to be doing home visits and then you need to be having uh, follow-ups at clinic levels so that you can keep uh, those children uh, nourished Mm. not for them to to regress back now, it's, to, it's, it's uh, obviously quite a lengthy process that you're going through this this mm-hmm. ten step approach that you um, are executing at the is it at the Manguzi hospital that you're at doing the, at the Manguzi hospital and it's actually at the national level because I was uh, fortunate uh, enough to have been able to train all the eight uh, provinces in the country on the treatment of which one did you leave out you said eight Eight, the Bloemfontein, Free State, I didn't do. Oh, you didn't state. do? Okay. Yeah. yeah. We started uh, the Western Cape in 2010, where we advocated and uh, trained healthcare professionals, dietitians, nurses on this 10-step approach mm. because the case fatality rates were very high in the country. In terms of uh, global standards, we're, not, we're supposed to be less than 5% of case fatalities because you will obviously get those conditions. For example, uh, a child, uh, oncology patient with a child with cancer that mm. is uh, palliative, obviously, like, you, you will not, they will be severely acute malnourished because of that uh, medical condition that you cannot uh, uh, treat if it's palliative. But then that's why we say it should be less than 5%. So there will be that 5% that will be malnourished due to medical conditions. Yeah. Well, but congratulations we, on training uh, health workers across the country in eight provinces. That's, that's a massive achievement. Yeah. And uh, in KZN, for example, it was even uh, much more, um, they were like, they are like the transits for the country for me because when I started working in the KZN, I was even able to... Uh, take up uh, the training to a provincial level where mm. we were training entry-level pediatricians to get the buy-in from uh, super specialists so that these kids are not missed in the wards. Mm. Because medication on its own it, uh, cannot uh, uh, give back health. You know, you need to nourish the child so that they can be able to fight the infection. For themselves. Yes, for themselves mm. and be able... To, to 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 fight the diseases uh, completely. So it it, it it was very nice to to move towards the integrated management of acute uh, malnutrition mm. because now uh, we have moved from not only looking at the treatment but also now look at the prevention, prevention. which is like a yep. model that is uh, 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 a movement that is working towards the prevention continuum to act better nutrition results, which means then, like, we would uh, also uh, train uh, 
nurses and nutrition advisors, which is uh, KZN is the only province that has nutrition advisors. So we have good leadership and support from the provincial nutrition director. Yeah. So these nutrition advisors are basically your community caregivers that are giving like one-year training mm. on screening for moderate acute malnutrition or those children that are not acutely malnourished mm. but are at risk. So we start treating them at that level so that we prevent them for that whole 10-step approach in a hospital level. Right. It's very costly as well yeah. and increases the length of hospital stay. So through this movement in 2012-2013 financial year, for example, we had 78 admissions in the hospital mm. with severe acute malnutrition. And by 2015, 20, uh 2014-2015, we had dropped to 17 admissions. By From 78 to 17? To 17, with 0% uh, case fatality rate uh, because of using the prevention continuum. Yeah. So identifying this, so going out into the community and going up into our fixed clinics, going up to the Before those point. people need to access the yes. hospital. Yeah, very important. Yes. Duncan, I'm going to continue speaking to you and also open up the lines. The number to call 089 I have to say that over the past month, I've had um, quite a few discussions with South Africans that are doing great work in preventative health. Um, yes. So this is a growing movement and, and brilliant work that's being done in that area as well. Call in if you have questions. For Duncan, 0891-104-207. Our best conversations are the ones we have with you. Call us on 0891-104-207. Tweet at SAFM Radio or SMS 34701. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Movers and shakers on the talk shop. Finding out the story behind businesses and the people who build them. You're on the talk shop on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm with Duncan Mosete, a young dietitian um, working in the Department of Health and also with the Manguzi Hospital. Um, a real mover in dietary interventions and changing the lives of those that are in desperately improver- impoverished regions as well. Uh, talking to us about his 10-step approach, taking your calls on 891 104207. Call in with a question um, or, or, or perhaps a few words of encouragement. And do talk to me about whether you think we understand how the right nutrition can, can help prevent many of the illnesses that we have. Um, do you think that there's enough education about the benefits of eating the right food as well? Or, or are we just not concerned as South Africans? 0891 uh, Duncan, what do you think of the sugar tax as it was introduced uh, during the budget speech? Uh, with the sugar tax, it's uh, another. We are now talking about um, undernutrition, severe acute malnutrition, mm. undernutrition. But now we also have like a trend because of the nutrition transition due to the urbanisation in in the country and uh, industry. So now we are also seeing children who are even adults or the population in general who are suffering from obesity. And obesity is also a form of malnutrition. Of, of malnutrition. Mm. And that's, we're starting to see a trend of, of, of uh, the development of diabetes. As young as 12, like uh, on Tuesday I had uh, a 12-year-old diagnosed as well from obesity 
At 12 years old, he weighs like 73 kg. Mm. And um, he, he, he was diagnosed with diabetes. So uh, that takes us back to the quality of the diet that we are we are having in, in the communities, especially the, uh, in, in, in rural areas. Mm. Then people tend to buy what is more accessible to them and those foods that are also fatty that keeps you fuller for longer. So that's another thing uh, that is uh, very important. I think the sugar tax will uh, kind of like model the people into having uh, simpler and even cheaper choices like Mm. water, Mm. like uh, instead of having... The soda. Drinks, yeah. yes, and and and, uh, and and foods like that. But then I also believe that it goes on with 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 education, with nutrition education. Just putting tax on it, it doesn't mean we have to stop there. Because most of my patients who are obese or who have uh, diabetes or hypertension as well, they are actually not aware of of uh, of. Of, of the amount of sugar that they are consuming. Mm. On a daily basis, we say at six teaspoons should be enough. But for example, in uh, uh, 340 moles of liquid fruit, you've got 40 grams of, of sugars, which is like eight teaspoons of sugar inside the 340 mm. of 100%. Uh, in one can? In one can of, of liquid fruit. So can you see, and because it's 100%, uh, people see 100% and they associate it with the best, you know, the mm. best result. So mm. if you just had uh, eight teaspoons of sugar on one can, mm. uh, uh, one can of Coke has around six teaspoons of, of sugar. Wait, did you say one six or six zero? Uh, six, six. It's got six teaspoons of sugar okay. inside a three. 30 mils of, of Coca-Cola. So you can imagine now if you drink uh, 500 mil and you still have your tea, which you put sugar inside, so you have already exceeded your daily requirements for the sugar. And the excess will obviously lead to, to weight gain mm. and uh, because refined carbohydrates are metabolized into triglycerides. So you end up gaining weight unaware. So convenience foods are actually our biggest mm. problem because you don't see the actual sugar because the seafood drinks are so carbonated. You don't see the actual sugar or you don't taste it, but it's in there. So um, that uh, brings us to the school health uh, integration as well. So mm. we're looking at different uh, stakeholders in integrating uh, our services in order to make sure that uh, our population is, is taking in food uh, that is uh, balanced, mm. like also promoting um, vegetable uh, intake and also the intake of water. And I, I, I strongly believe that you uh, people need like uh, 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 interventions that are aimed at uh, behavioral change mm. as well. So tax, uh, tax, uh, the new tax law, I think it will kind of change the behavior. Yeah, and but that's, you see, that's one aspect of it, right? So you yeah. can change my behavior by saying, if you do this, it's going to cost you more. But yeah. again, the problem comes down to education. And you talk yes. about um, meeting patients that don't even understand that what they're eating is is making them ill. So. Yeah. 
that says that across the country there's there's a real shortage of education on nutrition. Mm. So with with your programs and and the work that you're doing with the Department of Health, is there you know a program that you've set up or a plan in the future to roll out um, some kind of comprehensive uh, nutritional education plan, perhaps that you might have? Yeah, we have already started, like I said, with integrating services. Mm. So we're now looking at uh, at promoting uh, uh, nutri- uh, good nutrition at uh, school level with uh, to working together with the Department of Education, working together with the Department of Agriculture, promoting One Home, One Garden, which also uh, earlier on I had on an advert they were talking about drought becomes a problem because in order for a person to have a garden, especially in big rural areas, they need to have access to water. So we we are looking at educating people on food and nutrition security mm. and also on eating healthy because uh, that's 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 a very uh, a, 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 that's not just simple and it's cheap intervention that will eventually alter people's behavior through giving them knowledge yeah. with that gentle push on the right direction. And uh, uh, it doesn't matter that like, no matter what we do by ourselves with our professionals, whether it's research, development, whatever, as a result, uh, in, in true cooperation, we need to actually uh, measure all our past and present civilizations mm. and cultures, mm. which is very important how you look when you look at the culture, because uh, people were not consumed eating uh, pies for example, on a daily basis, but now they are accessible. Like, um, culturally, when we uh, look at uh, some... Wait, I'm going, to, I'm going to stop you, Duncan, because okay. I, need to go, I need to go into a cricket crossing, and you're going into an area that I think is really important, so I want to, I want to take a big bite out of that one. Okay. So, you make the point about saying, if we go back to our culture, we might actually become... More, more healthy. Very important. So call in with questions. 0891-104-207. Again, 0891-104-207. Uh, giving you an update now on the cricket. Uh, let's see what's going on here. We've got uh, Hong Kong uh, taking on Afghanistan. And that crossing is coming up right now. Thank you very much. Well, it was another exciting day of cricket in India and Afghanistan and Zimbabwe both made it two wins from two matches today, which means the winner of the clash between the sides on Saturday will go on to join the Proteas, Sri Lanka, England and the West Indies in Group 1 of the Super 10. Now, Afghanistan beat Hong Kong by six wickets and with two overs to spare in the second match of the day, they were chasing 117 after Mohamed Nabi caused all sorts of problems for the Hong Kong batsmen. In the run chase, Mohamed Shazad and Nur Ali Zadra knocked off 70 of the required runs and despite losing a few wickets, they cruised home. Earlier, Wellington Mazakata produced figures of 4 for 28 to help Zimbabwe beat Scotland by 11 runs. After today's results, Scotland and Oman won't be extending, or rather, out Scotland and Hong Kong won't be extending their time in India, but they will have one last chance to restore some pride when they face each other this weekend. Tomorrow, it's another important day. First up, Oman will look to cause another upset when they take on Bangladesh before Ireland and the Netherlands meet. You on the route for SAFM Sport.
Johan, thank you so much for giving us that update. We'll get another one later on. Still on the talk shop, and we're talking to our mover and shaker, Duncan Musete, uh, a young dietitian doing loads of work with the Department of Health nationally and also serving the Manguzi Hospital in northern KwaZulu-Natal. Give me a call, 891 Let's hear from uh, Omi Naidu. He's a dietitian in Peter Maritzburg. Omi, good evening. Good evening. How are you guys doing? We're good. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling. Uh, yes, I'm a dietitian in private practice in Peter Marisburg, and mm. I just want to commend Duncan for, you can obviously hear he's very passionate about what he's doing. Mm. And obviously, you know, that it, it's difficult working within the, the government sector sometimes with resources being limited. So it, it's obvious that he's doing a great job out there just to keep it up. And, you know, just in private practice, we're having the other side of the spectrum where he touched on, you know, the in, in, impact of obesity and childhood obesity. Mm. And, you know, a lot of the needs to, to be regulated by government. It's nice to see a uh, minister introducing uh, a tax on, on sugary drinks. And we hope that, you know, more legislation can follow because the impact on the health system is profound. Now, tell me, tell me, Obi, if you say more ne- more legislation uh, should follow, what what kind of legislation would you like to see? I'd like to see more tax. It's like how you introduce the tax for sugary drinks or sodas. Mm. So with time now, so we get Oh, okay, I'm losing you. Your line is really bad, Omi. Apologies for that. I'm going to have to let you go. But uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, Duncan, uh, Omi obviously commends you for the work that you're doing. He says it's obvious that you're really passionate about it, and he talked about resources, but we'll we'll get into that later. But I need you to, to, to hear this SMS now that's just come in. Um, where is it now? Oh, gosh, now I've lost it. Oh, goodness. Hold on. There it is. All right. It should start at home. Parents should buy food of nutritional value. I find it a bit odd. One friend opened my fridge and said, you? You live like a white person. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, it's funny, and we can laugh about it, but why is it that sometimes black South Africans think that if you... If, if you eat healthy, that you're living like a white person. And I want you to respond to that because before we went into the cricket crossing, you said that actually if we went back to the way we do things traditionally, yeah. we'd be healthier. Yeah, because we, we had, last year in February, we had like uh, together with the Department of Agriculture an indigenous food campaign where we actually look at uh, the traditional foods that uh, were eaten in the community so you you find most of it was it was it's plant-based mm. and there was less starch as well and more vegetables like green vegetables like um imifino, which is your wild uh, spinach and 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 uh, 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 plants of that group so people in the olden ages did not have uh, red meat on a daily basis, mm. access to red meat on a daily basis. Mm. So the composition of the diet was mainly plant-based. But now... Morojo and... Morojo, yes, yeah. 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 No, yeah, now we have um, tribe. Uh, I was going to... I went to Spad the other day and we've got tribe inside our fridges and it's cheaper and people are buying it and they can have it on a daily basis. Mm. And when you look at tribe... Tripe has, has, has a lot of, 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 of saturated fat, fat yeah. in it. Yeah. But it, like culturally, you would not eat tripe on a daily basis in the olden days. You mm. would have it when there are ceremonies, when there are weddings, when there are, because uh, you can't be having it on a daily basis. But
But when you have access to it on a daily basis, uh, that 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 pushes us to 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 the wrong side of mm. the graph. So uh, culturally, vegetables were 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 used, and given the preparation methods, you look at the three uh, factors that are actually affecting the diet. Uh, that is. Uh, 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 taken in by the people living in such impoverished communities. It's not that the food is bad or good. They don't combine it properly anymore. Mm. They don't prepare it properly. And the portion sizes are not the same because if you've eaten uh, a bar of of, of chocolate, for example, mm. the kilojoules are equivalent to a plate of food and you you're not going to get full you're still going to eat another uh, plate of food on top of a, of a chocolate bar and mm. a packet of chips. So already you would be like uh, getting in more uh, energy than required mm. for you on a daily basis. Sedentary lifestyles. There are the, with TV, t- uh, children are no longer playing outside. Yeah. People are no longer uh, 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 working on the gardens uh, like, Harvesting their like own they used food, to, yeah. like they used mm. to. So what they want to do is like a li- nice lifestyle for you to just go and buy a cake and watch. Yes, like, like Joe sends an SMS that says fast yeah. foods are the biggest culprit, but they taste nice. That's, that's what <laughs> Yeah, but then it's it's like what one person said earlier on. It also. Looks, it, it, look, you, you have to look back at where you where you coming from. Mm. That's where the the women empowerment comes as well, because uh, the women, even on a cultural setting, are in charge mm. of 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 the daily of food. So if mm. your mother brought KFC, like in Manguzi, we have KFC, we say have Debonairs. In a very impoverished area where you don't even think there would be something like that, people have access to KFC, and it's like a it's a fashion statement. Mm. It's not, when you're coming back from work and you have KFC, it shows that you are... Uh, it says something about your status, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is things that we need to look, uh, to sit down and reflect back to where are we coming from. Like, you, 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 we have to uh, uh, join in an action-oriented effort to attack and solve the problems that beset the community's good health status, form the roads up. So we need to, 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 to look at where we're coming from. Is this what is acceptable? Mm. Older people are only starting to be diagnosed with diabetes at 60, 70 years. We have a 12-year-old that's already diagnosed, is diagnosed with now with HIV. So I need to take this call, Duncan. Um, yeah. Sean is in PE. Sean, thanks for calling. Good evening. Hi. I just wanted to find out what is... Um, your opinion on the Banting lifestyle. Okay, really good question, Sean. Thanks so much for calling. Thank you. Duncan Banting, that's been a very big issue um, recently in South Africa. Banting, what you, what's your opinion on that one? Yeah, that's a, 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 uh, my opinion with Banting is uh, we, we, we as, uh, as dietitians, we are sticking to uh, recommendations that uh, advocate for increased uh, vegetable intake, less intake of saturated fats, mm. and also uh, 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 food intake and, and water intake. Uh, Benting is it's not what we recommend, and um, 
we we want solutions that will that are sustainable. Mm. You know, is it really sustainable to be on a painting diet? You don't that's, think so. That's a question that we have. It's, it, I don't think so. That's why even on 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 products uh, uh, that other people are using, like appetite suppressors, for example, mm. like how long, how how sustainable is that? Okay. So we have, we do have uh, nutrition. We have a lot of fat diets out there, and we also have. Uh, Diets that are based on scientific uh, evidence, mm. and uh, on which, like, where we advise people on how to manage their scarce food supplies optimally for good health. So, when you come to a Benton diet, how do you like carry it out to your uh, your poor family that uh, cannot be uh, uh, affording those kind of that book? To begin with, okay, or, or, okay. or who cannot even comprehend uh, 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 English, where, for example, with most of our patients, we have to break down the information to grade five level and use pictures and uh, so that people understand the pathogenesis of, of of diseases and how they can prevent themselves from getting it. Yeah. So, Benton diet kind of like confuse the people and what we actually want to do is to disseminate reliable key nutrition methods. I think what Sean was asking though, and I and I get I get the point that you're making mm-hmm. about banting obviously not being your area of expertise because mm-hmm. you're working with very vulnerable groups. But yeah. I think Sean's question was as a dietitian, would you recommend it for someone who obviously if you choose banting it's because you're trying to lose weight, right? Yeah. So uh, would you recommend banting in a just about perhaps in 10 seconds, yes or no? Yeah, I would recommend something that I have tried and mm. that I have uh, uh, nutrition background on and evidence on. So I would not recommend it to my patients. Okay. Uh, uh, simply because I, I I believe in reliable key nutrition messages that are that are sustainable. Okay. Yeah. And SMS says dietary education is like anti-smoking. People choose to ignore it till it's too late. We heard today's kids um, oh, won't outlive parents due to, due to junk food. That's dawn with that SMS. Another one that says, I agree with your guest. Unfortunately, many people don't have the money to buy the correct food and just buy what they can afford. Um, the way food is made and um, grown is not the same. Old-fashioned ways of growing and making food should be encouraged again. Mm. Uh, let's see. There's another one that says, uh, Now, lady, what about those modified and chemically planted foods? That one is from Lindy. Where, uh, this one says, There's also a problem because the cheapest food is, is the most non-nutritional and healthy uh, fresh produce is, most, is the most expensive. And the best of these products are exported. Uh, plus, um, we need to have food signage written in terminology that the general public really understands. Mm-hmm. So, for example, what you said about tab- uh, teaspoons, tablespoons, cups, etc., mm-hmm. on on sugar, uh, fat, and not these fancy chemicals that mean nothing to the general public. Yeah. Those are some interesting points that are coming in. Um, yeah, I think let's leave it there, Duncan. What's next for you? I know you were um, you were named as one of the Mail and Guardian's top 200 young South Africans. Well deserved, and I think you could keep getting that one over and over again until Thank you me. until you're 35 years old and are not considered young anymore. 
Um, but congratulations on that. How do we follow your progress? Are you do you tweet perhaps with a few um, dietary tricks and tips? Um, no, I don't uh, tweet with some uh, dietary tips. Or uh, but at the moment, I'm still working on 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 building capacity hmm. in 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 such a setting so that we can increase the rural workforce. So what help that. do you need then? Uh, it, what the help that we, we would need is to make posts accessible for dietitians to be at the, at those areas, mm. because uh, in deep rural areas, obviously, if you are there just as a community service dietitian, and a post is not motivated for for you to stay longer mm. and have good accommodation, it becomes uh, a problem. But you only, the, in order to do that, in order to improve access to dietetic services in rural areas, you need to motivate the statistics as well, mm. because you cannot just thumbtack it you, so that you can, you, you can be able to give the community continuity of care that they, they deserve and also increase outpatient coverage. Yeah. But if you are the only dietitian in the hospital, it's, it's impossible because you end up only focusing on nutrition-specific uh, nutrition interventions. Yeah. And you don't look at your nutrition-sensitive interventions that are mostly uh, based on the prevention continuum. And obviously that would not improve the quality of services. Mm. That's where, we, like for example now, uh, I have a, a dynamic, dynamic team of, of dietitians where now we, it's many of us, like uh, five of us, the structure is allowing us to be five in the hospital. Mm. Where now it gives me uh, and the team as well the chance to, 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 to go deeper into other uh, aspects like uh, uh, the relation between physical activity and... Right, and, and broaden and some yeah. of the services yeah. that you offer. That's great. Yeah. So, Duncan, give us an email address because I imagine that there might be some really generous South Africans that want to help you grow um, or, or, or make some kind of contribution to the work that you're doing. Give us an email address. Okay, it's Duncan Mosete mm-hmm. at gmail mm-hmm. dot com. Okay, well, how do you spell Mosete? M-O-S-E-T-L-H-E. Okay, so that's the this Joanna Moseke, right? Moseke, yeah. Okay. Uh, Duncan Moseke at gmail.com. That, that uh, surname is M-O-S-E-T-L-H-E. So Duncan, M-O-S-E-T-L-H-E at gmail.com. Duncan, you are a mover and a shaker. Thanks for your time. Thank you, my lady. Have a good evening. And to you. You're still on the talk shop on SAFM.